All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. And what we're doing today is we're actually continuing our new series, which is entitled Reemerge. And even after over the past several weeks, we've been talking about how God has met his people after times of trial and brought them through his promises, his perspective, and his love into his eternal purposes in him. Today, we're going to entitle this message, A Return to Vision. A return to vision, because over this past year, that's one of the main things that's been assaulted by the enemy for the people of God, a, an assault on the vision that God has for them in terms of their identity, in terms of their purpose, in terms of really their mission in God as they love him, worship him, and serve him on a daily basis. And today we're going to have a return to vision by actually focusing on this statement, that we will reemerge with Christ when we allow him to align us with his eternal vision. That we will actually, out of this past season of trial, reemerge with Christ when we allow him to align us with his eternal vision. And so to talk about that today, we're going to break the message into three parts. We're going to talk first about strangled vision. Secondly, we're going to talk about an encounter with Jesus, that though people's vision can be strangled, we all need in an ongoing fashion encounters with Jesus to actually help us be free and recapture that vision. And then finally, we're going to talk number three about a new witness. And we're going to do all of this by citing a familiar passage in scripture where Jesus had a powerful encounter with a man who was oppressed possessed, and then set free by the power of God to return to the eternal vision of Christ. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us to not only given us to give us momentary encouragement, but an eternal vision in your son, Jesus. God, would you lift us by faith to that place today and help us to see what you see and therefore do what you do for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about strangled vision. And if you have a Bible today, let's open to Mark chapter 5, where again, this is this encounter that Jesus has with a man who had been oppressed, possessed, and had lost all reasonable sense of God's vision for his life. But we're going to see how Jesus met him, what he did for him, and then what he told him to do as a result. That will also be an example to us as we come out of our season of trial and come back to a place of living in the eternal vision of God in Jesus' name. So let's read, starting in verse 1. It says, They, meaning Jesus and his traveling companions, came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. And what you need to know before we even go on is that this isn't just the stuff of mythology. This isn't just the stuff of movies. This isn't just something that you've sensed might be there, but maybe not. These are real entities. When he's talking about an unclean spirit here that this man was possessed by, was oppressed by, the man in the tombs who had the unclean spirit, what that meant is that he had demons, literal demons, 
afflicting and affecting him. And this is important to realize because in our culture today, we often talk about when everybody has something troubling their mind or if they have certain idiosyncrasies about their personality, that somehow they're wrestling with their demons. And what that means to most people is that they're just wrestling with quirks in their personality or they're wrestling with uh, just different shortcomings in their character. But when the Bible talks about unclean spirits or demons, they are talking about the real spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that do exist. Just as there is a real God and there are the real host of heaven, which are the angels who do God's bidding, there are also there is also a real devil, Satan himself, and then also those who do his bidding, the demons of hell that come to do what Satan does, steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. And so when we see the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness talked about very clearly expressed through the ministry of Jesus Christ, we see a clashing of those two kingdoms. And what we see in this example is that Jesus is meeting somebody that he's coming to set free. And that's good news to us today, because regardless of where you've been, what you've experienced, or how you have or have not experienced demonic forces, how you have or have not experienced Jesus the Christ, the good news is that what Jesus did for this man, he wants to do for us and ultimately return us to both his image and his eternal vision in Christ. So let's continue to read. It said, he, meaning the man who was demonized or the one who had the unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself, I'm sorry, himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, meaning Jesus, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He, meaning the man with the unclean spirit, replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering to about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And so let's just stop there for a moment and see what we can learn from this first portion of Scripture. Not only are there demons, not only are those that come to steal, kill, and destroy our lives along with Satan, but we see that what the demons ultimately did to this man is that they did multiple things. Number one, they drove him into isolation. They drove him into isolation. 
And what we see is that whenever the enemy is coming against your soul, that is one of the telltale signs that he's trying to do a destructive work in your life when through times of trial or suffering, again, we don't know what allowed this influence of the demonic in his life, but we know that they, it existed. And what the result of their influence, the demons' influence, these unclean spirits in this man's life were, was that it, they drove him into isolation. And not only that, but they empowered him in a supernatural way that even when people tried to come and help this man, saying the way that you're living in isolation amongst the caves, it's not right. It's not only unnatural, but it does not reflect the image and the identity that God has for you. You're not meant to live this way. And when they tried to come and help him, even to to a certain extent, help him from doing uh, from not doing damage to himself, what they would try to do because he was self-inflicting harm on himself is they tried to bind him with chains. And this man was so empowered by these unclean spirits, had so uh, somehow come into agreement with these unclean spirits that even when people were trying to help so that this man wouldn't inflict harm on himself, he was able to, by that supernatural power, demonic power, break the chains, go back running into the caves and into isolation and continue to inflict harm on himself. He would, the Bible says, cut himself with stones. Now, does that sound familiar to you? Uh, uh, maybe about some of the things that are happening in our nation today? I know that for many years, uh, both Pastor Cole and myself, we were working in youth ministry and we worked with teenagers again and again who were trying to figure out who they were, trying to get a vision for their life, trying to understand their identity trying to really come into a place where they would actually be whole and fulfilled. But in the really the demonic onslaught that came at them through bullying, through parental neglect, through abuse and the like, we dealt with many people who were oftentimes demonized, oppressed, and afflicting harm on themselves. Now that might not be your story, but it was this man's story. And that might not be the severity of your condition today, but I do know that in the same way, we don't get a pass from the spiritual battle that's going on in the world around us. And especially over this past year, when all has been turned on its head through the pandemic, the social unrest, the politics and the like, what we see is that the enemy has come after everyone's soul. Demons have come after people's soul without prejudice, without prejudice to try to drive people into isolation, to try to drive people in different measures into types of self-harm, into, if not self-harm, detachments from those who know and love them and are ultimately just trying to help them. And we see that this is always the work of the enemy to break bonds, to tear off shackles that are meant to bind people in love together to Christ and also to his people. And we see that just as the demoniac, um, the person with the unclean spirit, was driven into the tombs, lost his identity, he also lost his vision for who he was supposed to be, 
who he was supposed to live for and what he was ultimately to do in his lifetime. And here in this place, we see an example of strangled vision. And when Jesus shows up on the scene, we know it's strangled vision because the man immediately begins to buck against the help that Jesus himself, the Son of God, comes to bring. We know that in Jesus' ministry, what did he do? He came to set captives free, to release the oppressed like this man was. But whenever Jesus shows up in this man's life, how does the man respond? Immediately, he begins to cry out against Jesus with suspicion, rejection, and fear, saying, what do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Have you come to torture me? And that's the response that many people today give Jesus when he's only coming to be a Savior in hell. He's saying, I realize you've been tormented. I realize you've been driven into isolation. I realize you have broken relationships and shackles in your life. I realize that you're living in self-harm, but I'm coming to help you. And the way that people respond are, get away from me, Jesus. I'm more comfortable with, or I'm more familiar with my tormentor than with you. And therefore, at this point, I trust that which has been tormenting me, even though I know that it's tormenting me and ruining and ravaging my soul. I'm more comfortable with that than you, Jesus, who come in your power, who come in your anointing. And I feel there's something inside of me bucking against who you are. And I know that you've been described as good. I've heard your reputation, but don't come here to torture me, Jesus. Don't tell me I need to be somebody different than I've identified myself to be. Don't tell me I've finally gotten that under wraps. I've finally become comfortable with that. I've finally come to a place where I can accept who I am. Don't come here and torment me now, Jesus, telling me that I need to be different. Don't try to give me a vision other than the one that I've established in my life. Even though it's harming me, Jesus, I can't trust you yet. What that was is a picture of strangled vision. And we see that it was a sad state because when Jesus actually asked the man's name, it wasn't even the man talking himself, but it said that the unclean spirits began to answer for the man. And they began to say, we have such influence in this man's life that we're the ones in charge. We're the ones who are going to speak out of this man rather than this man speaking for himself and the identity that God intended for him and the vision that God had for his life. And so when Jesus asked the man's name, he said, we are legion. We, you see the vocabulary there? We are legion for we are many. And a legion was basically a Roman battalion that at its maximum could be up to 6,000 soldiers. And so what this man was saying is that there was so much of a demonic influence in his life that literally thousands of demons had taken up residence in his soul, in his mind, in his will, in his emotions. And they were tormenting him, driving him to live the way that he lived out there in the tombs inflicting self-harm, being oppressed and tormented by the enemy. But the good news is, is that even in the midst of this loss of vision, he had an encounter with Jesus. 
And what did that encounter with Jesus entail? Well, when Jesus showed up on the scene, he didn't only say, what is your name? But it said in verse 8, for he, meaning Jesus, was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And so when Jesus had an encounter with this man who was oppressed by the enemy, who had lost his identity, who had lost his God-given identity, who had lost his vision in the Lord, Jesus encounters him and says, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And the um, the, uh, the tense of that word for he was saying to him, meant that Jesus didn't just say it once to the demons to come out of the man. Jesus was repeatedly talking to the demons that were oppressing that man, saying over and over again, come out, come out, come out of that man. Come out of that man. Why? Because God's vision for his life is not that he would live in the caves. God's vision for his life is not that he would live in self-harm. God's vision for his life is not that he would live in isolation and lose his identity, but that he would instead come back to a place of freedom, set free by the Spirit of God, and after his time of trial, set on course with what God intended for his life rather than what the enemy intended for his life after that point. You see, the encounter for Jesus was Jesus having a power encounter with those demonic spirits that were trying to identify and define that man. And Jesus said, you no longer have a right there. You come out. And that's good news for us as we come out of our season of trial. When things other than God have tried to drive us not only to isolation, but identify us other than how God wants to identify us. And what Jesus says in encounters with us, just like he's giving you an encounter with him today, is he says, listen, spirits other than God that are trying to affect you, I'm telling you either come out or be silent. And you need to now hear the voice of God and what he wants to do for you. And what God ultimately wants to do for you is bring you into his eternal vision and life abundant that Jesus promised. You see, when Jesus was describing the enemy of our souls, the devil, he said the devil comes only to do three things in your life, to steal, kill, and destroy. While Jesus, on the other hand, comes that you might have life and life abundantly, or life to the full, as God intended with his vision. Now we see that when this man with the unclean spirit was being demonized, the demons were actually trying to do what Satan does in people's lives. They were trying to destroy the man. And how do we know this? Well, it said that when the demons had to obey Jesus, when he said to come out of the man, he said, go into those pigs. Go into those pigs. And immediately, though the pigs were obviously God's valued creation as well, the enemy is indiscriminate in his, in his uh, destruction of God's creation. He wants to destroy people's lives. He wanted to destroy the beasts of the field. And so though the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. And immediately the herd of pigs, numbering 2,000, ran off the cliff and died in the water. And so what that was showing us is that the very thing that the demons did in the pigs was what they were trying to do to the man. 
They were trying to destroy the man's life just like they were trying to destroy the pig's life. And let me tell you, coming out of our past season of trial, there are demons that are trying to destroy your life and my life just like they were trying to destroy that man's life. But when we have an encounter with Jesus, Jesus makes it all clear and tells the demons to be silent, tells the demons to go and delivers us from their influence and also their identification in our lives and then basically says, be free. Be free. And what was significant about this man is that though the uh, demons influenced the pigs immediately to go off the cliff, they these thousands of demons that had lived in the soul and influenced this man for years weren't able to kill him like they did the pigs. And that's, a, that's an informative piece of information. Because many people to themselves will discount the war that's going on for their souls because they think that they somehow have got it under control. They say, you know what? I, I, I may not, um, I may not uh, be a, a fully healthy person, but I'm able to at least control my idiosyncrasies enough, my demons enough to go to work succeed and relate with the world. Yes, my private life is a mess. Yes, my marriage is in shambles. Yes, my relationship with my children is non-existent. Yes, my, you know, my, the, the, I can hardly sleep at night because of the torment that comes at me and the images that are in my mind day and night. But you know what? That's everybody. It's just what I have to deal with. And the truth of the matter is, is that if you've said that to yourself, you might actually be like this man who actually has learned to deal with the demonic influence, but have not yet come to a place where you encounter Jesus so that Jesus can do what? Not encourage you in the midst of the torment, but actually set you free from the torment. You see, an encounter with Jesus brings us back to a place of being set free in him. And then because of that, we can once again see clearly who he's made us to be. Be called by the name we were actually given by our parents rather than the demonic influence in our lives. And then number three, ultimately live for the vision which God created us to fulfill. And we see that as we go on in the scripture that the encounter with Jesus was well received by the recipient, the man who was de previously demonized and had been set free, but it wasn't always received by the people around him. And in verse 14, it says, the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see it, what, the, um, what, what, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You see, that's the beauty of things. That regardless of what type of isolation, what type of oppression that we experienced during this past year, because of all of the circumstances, the lockdown and all the things that ensued thereafter. You see, God says, when we have an encounter with Jesus, the result is, is that we will once again be, again, be clothed. 
This man had physical clothing on. He was no longer naked. Good news, right? He wasn't running around naked anymore. But he was clothed, just like we could be clothed with Christ, and he was in his right mind. That he was able to think clear thoughts again. Good news. He wasn't just cloudy. He wasn't fearful. He wasn't dismayed. He wasn't anxiety-ridden anymore. He wasn't full of depression and the things that would inflict, cause him to inflict self-harm on himself. You see, he wasn't identified by that anymore. Because he had an encounter with Jesus, this man was clothed and in his right mind. And if that's where you find yourself today, in need of being clothed and in your right mind, put back in your right mind, the good news is Jesus speaks his peace to you today. Jesus comes to give you an encounter with him today to say, you know what? I'm going to speak peace over the storms that are raging in your mind and in your soul, in your relationships, in your whole perspective about life and what it means to live or what you're living for. Jesus can do for you what he did for this man. And it said that when they saw him dressed in his right mind, they were afraid because people don't always understand. My goodness, somebody can really be changed in this way? The answer is yes. People can be changed in this way when they meet the living God. But when the people saw it, they were afraid. They're like some sort of power has changed this man. You see, that that was the... the, uh, reaction that many of my friends had whenever I came out of being a party kid to actually being a wholehearted, devoted Christian. They were like, this is freaking me out, Rowan. <laughs> this is freaking me out. You used to be the one running the parties, you know, getting the party started. And now you're telling me during the party time, you want to be reading your Bible and I should come with you. Freaking me out, Rowan. Who are you? Invasion of the body stand- snatchers. Where's my friend? Okay. And people were afraid, but over the course of time, even though some resisted, right? Jesus and said, just like these people, when they were afraid, they asked him to leave their region. Others said, Hey, where's the boat? Let me get in, get in because I've been tormented too. And I need an encounter with Jesus so that I could be set free just as you were, Rollin. And the good news is that many family members, friends, and otherwise were set free by Jesus in the same way that he had set this man free and had set me free through an encounter with him. And it said that they saw him clothed and sitting there. They were afraid. And those who had been had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began Jesus to, depart, um, to beg Jesus to depart from their region. But as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he, meaning Jesus, did not permit him, meaning the man who was formerly possessed, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he, meaning the man who was previously possessed, went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. And so we see that Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he comes to set the captives free. If you are captive today, he's come to set you free. All you have to do is turn away from your sin, 
put your trust in Jesus and what he's done for you on the cross by his death, burial, and resurrection. And he said he can make you a new creation today. And if you've been a Christian for years, but over this past season of trial have fallen into torment and oppression by the enemy, the good news is that in moments just like these, when we come to worship Jesus, the living God, he comes to speak a word of deliverance over you too. When you cry out to God saying, God, set me free from my isolation. Set me free from my fears. Set me free from my self-harm. Jesus can hear you, answer you, and also set you free, driving away that which was once attempting to torment you. And we see that through these encounters with Jesus, ultimately, when he does that for us, he gives us a new vision as a new witness. He gives us a new vision as a new witness because obviously when you've had that type of encounter with Jesus, you're so grateful and you're so thankful and all you want to do is be with Jesus. And if you've never gotten to a point where you say, all I want to do is ultimately love the Lord, be with him, worship him. I could think of being before him night and day, just praying in his presence and loving on him, singing songs of glorification for who he is, his honor, his praise, all of which he's due then it may be that he wants to bring you further. And not maybe, he does want to bring you further into an encounter with him. We don't just hear about his goodness, but you experience his goodness. And all the trials of the past year no longer define you, but Jesus and God's image, you being an image bearer of God and of Christ begins to define you. And you begin to live out the vision that he has for you. And what vision is that? Being a witness of all that he's done for you. See, when you're set free, you want to tell other people about it so that they can be set free too. It is not an obligation for me to go and tell people in this city, in this country, or in the nations about the goodness of God. Why? Because despite trials, I know how good he's been to me, how good he's been to my family, how good he's been to my community, my neighbors, people in our church. I've seen him give babies to people who are longing for one after years of crying out to him. I've seen him physically heal people after they dealt with years of suffering. I've seen him actually deliver people in their minds and their hearts, setting tormented people free so that they can actually sleep well at night. I've seen him provide for people supernaturally when they turn to him to do his will. He's done that for me. And so because of that, I'm happy to tell people. And when this man who was delivered from the unclean spirits, he wanted to say, Jesus, just let me be with you. Jesus said, no, 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 son. Here's my vision for you. What I've given you, I want you to tell others about. And I'm going to give you a new vision to be a witness, a new witness of what I've done in your heart and life. So as you've encountered me, that which I've done in you, I want to do for others. Go now and tell your family, your friends, how much I've done for you. This is what a testimony is, right? If you've ever heard that before, this is what a testimony is. It is being a witness for that which God has done in your life. And Jesus gave him a new vision saying, uh, you no longer need to live in a strangled fashion 
You've had an encounter with me. Now go be a witness for all the good things that Jesus has done in your life. And in doing so, this man went to the Decapolis and began to prepare the way for the Lord to show up. And after this point, that further down in the gospel story, you saw a great revival take place of people coming to the Lord in faith and freedom because the way was prepared by this man's witness, by this man's testimony, by this new vision that he was able to come into when he re-emerged with Christ. And so I say to all of us today that despite what we've experienced in this past year, God wants to give you a new witness. He wants you to first encounter him. He wants to free you of strangled vision. And then he wants to once again realign you with his eternal vision, which is knowing him by encounter, and then making him known to the world around us. And so my charge to you is, number one, to come to Christ today and then make him known with a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker this week who desperately needs to be set free as well. God's been good to you, and he also wants to be good to those that we love. So let's commit to doing that together today, re-emerging with Christ, with his eternal vision, in Jesus' name. And so before we close today, I want to always give people an opportunity to come to Christ. And if you say, you know what, I've been listening to this message, and even as I've been listening to this message, I feel like not only have I had strangled vision, but I haven't known where to go from here. My life has been shipwrecked even prior to the pandemic because of decisions that I've made, and really decisions that have been made for me, assaults, abuse, violations. I'm sensing by the Spirit of God today that there are those today who've been tormented like this man with the unclean spirit because of violations that you've experienced throughout your lifetime. And really, your hurt and the damage in your soul, the pain that you've experienced because of these violations have really been the things that have identified you rather than the image of God or His vision for your life. And because of that, you've kept religion as you've seen it. And ultimately, Jesus, the Son of God, at a distance. You've not trusted him because your trust has been broken towards people. But today you say, you know what, I hear that Jesus is actually good. He wants to set me free. He wants to heal me and bring me back. And today, if that's you and you want to make your peace with Christ, knowing that he's He's not one who's come to torment you, but in fact, one who's come to heal you. But you know you need to turn away from your sin for him to be able to do so. If that's you today and you want to finally bow your knee to Jesus and be made a new creation, set free by the living God, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been wrecked by life. I've been damaged. I've been violated. And not only that, but I have done harm to others because of my own sin. And I know that though those who've done me wrong deserve death and hell, and I would freely admit that, today I, I admit as well that I too, because of my wrongdoing and rebellion against you, deserve death and hell as well. But I don't want it, and I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm asking you to set me free. God, would you free me from the tormenting spirits? God, would you deliver me from the ravaging of my life? And God, would you 
once again bring me to the cross. I believe that Jesus lived the perfect life that I should have lived. And on that cross died the sacrificial death that I should have died. Three days later, rising from the dead so that I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in Him. God, would you not only set me free and heal me today, but make me a new creation, showing me how to love you and live for you in that love. As I say, Jesus is my Lord today. Would you do that for me? I trust you today. Amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in God, along with the other people of God who also are aligned with his heavenly vision. And for the rest of us, I want to pray a blessing that God Almighty, you would help us to regardless of the attacks and the schemes of the enemy that tried to identify, divide, and separate us from you and one another this past year, that God, you would call your people out once again of isolation. You would call your people out again from self-harm or harm that they would inflict against others by words, deeds, or otherwise. God, that you would help your people to once again be set free from addictions or demonic influences that have tried to really take advantage of this past season of trial and identify your people with a vision other than the vision you have from heaven. And God, I pray that you would reestablish us not only in your freedom, but the eternal vision that you have for us, the encounters based on the encounters that we have with you and the eternal and the new witness that you give to us of your goodness and your glory in Jesus name. Help us to come into your Sabbath rest and to live out of that place of freedom in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So let's now go back into worship, honoring the one who's loved us so. Hello, church. We're going to take a minute here and we're going to celebrate the sacrament of communion. If you don't already have your bread and your juice, go ahead and get it while we talk about what communion is. So communion, we celebrate this because the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he was with his disciples and he took the bread and he said, this represents my body which is given for you. And then he also took the juice and he explained that this is a new covenant that God is making, representing his blood being shed for us for the forgiveness of sins once and for all. So friends, I invite you to take just a moment, reflect, open your heart to God, repent of whatever the Holy Spirit brings up as he convicts you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So let's take just a moment. Friends, if you're coming before God and saying, I receive Jesus' broken body in my place for my punishment, and by His stripes I want to be healed, you can partake of the bread. And then on that same night, the Lord Jesus, He said, This is my blood that was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And so if you receive his shed blood for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, you can partake of the juice. Mm. Um, 
What a time of refreshing and renewal that the Lord has provided for us today. We're going to be encouraging one another along those lines in our community groups throughout this week. And if you've not found an option yet, please do go to our website where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We want you to know that we'll be praying for you this week, so please do let us know how we can stand with you in prayer. Do also think about how you can share this message so that it can encourage others who need to be transformed by the grace of God and invite those that you know to our service next week that they can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you. We hope you have a great week in the Lord. And until then, God bless you. Take care and see you next week.